This podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so. Some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast. Here at Coven of Rejects, we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs. While we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. What's up, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits? Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Diana Ratliff. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. I want to thank 777 Sounds for making that kick-ass introduction song. You can find them on Instagram at 777sounds. Announcements, you guys. There are two new merch items on the website. It is no secret that so many of our current Christian holidays stem from pagan holidays, rituals, ceremonies, and they've been warped into something new. I kind of wanted to play on that for you guys. So we have in a variety of different colors the Happy Easter Make sure to think a pagan today shirts. And if you order it now, it will be here in time for Easter. You are going to go to the covenofrejects.com. It's also linked below in the description. Click on the three little lines on the upper left-hand corner. Click shop. You can either get that new Easter shirt. Of course, anything else that's on the website. And the other new shirt is I'm busy doing witch shit. Just a reminder that all of the Patreon members do get a monthly discount for merch and for my services. My services include tarot, oracle, psychic, mediumship, and can really be morphed into whatever the individual person is needing. So if you guys have questions about those services, please message me on Instagram. Of course, that's always linked below in the description as well. If you do join Patreon and you are looking for the discount code, you're simply just going to look through the posts that have been posted. It will be one of my first posts for this month posted on March 1st. And also just letting you guys know you do want to get that order in for this Easter shirt ASAP because you want to be able to make sure that it has time for shipping and to get to you in time for Easter. If you guys are not already following my social medias, please make sure that you are doing so. My Instagram is Gemini underscore goddess 420. That's also my TikTok name. And then you're going to be able to see on the Instagram what I have coming up for the Patreon, what kinds of things I have going on personally, what kinds of things we have that are going to be happening for the podcast. I do have the Coven of Rejects Instagram page, but I never post anything on there. I basically just did it so that somebody else can't take it, if I'm very honest. But I do have the Coven of Rejects Facebook page working on growing that. You guys can just hop on over to Facebook and go to Coven of Rejects. And then for the Patreon access, you guys can find that linked in the description. You guys can also see what I have coming up in the Patreon by just following me on Instagram and paying attention to the stories. I have been getting so many questions about what Patreon is, so I want to answer that for you guys. Patreon is a website with a paid monthly subscription where 
creators get to put things on and be completely uncensored. We're not going to be vilified. We're not going to be shut down for what we put on. And I'm able to give you guys full length videos. So as the Patreon grows, I will get more and more feedback of what you guys like to see. And so that's one of the beautiful things about Patreon is you are really able to be involved on the kind of content that you learn about, that you hear about, the kinds of things that are posted. Right now, I have the Beginner Witch tier, which is $5 a month, the Sorceress tier, which is $10 a month, and the Crone tier, which is $20 a month. You guys can click on the link below for Patreon, and you guys can see a little description about what kind of content each tier is going to get. The things that I have on there right now are a historical witch series. I did the Scotland Witch Trials and the Salem Witch Trials. And I have the Dark Goddess series where we just learned about the Morrigan. And those who are on the Patreon get to vote on what goddess they want to hear about next, what kind of historical witchcraft facts they want to learn about next. And for me, I happen to be extremely 420 friendly. If you follow me, you guys know that. I am able to interact with my guests that I have on. We do live Zooms and we talk about these facts together while we are getting ripped and smoking our bongs or our pipes or whatever it is that we have going on. And we're able to just make it like a really cool hangout session and talk facts with you. You're also going to be able to get behind the scenes interviews and deleted content that are not going to be available for the public. For instance, last week we have Sade on the podcast and she and our friend Paige and I all did this smoke Zoom afterwards. They did readings on me and we just had an amazing time. That's going to be posted on Patreon for exclusive content. So there's just really a lot of cool shit on there and it's hard to explain without you guys being able to visually see it firsthand. So I highly recommend if you are curious even about the Patreon, even what I'm offering, do the beginner witch tier, do the $5 tier. It's just $5 a month. That's not $5 per video or anything crazy like that. So it really is simple for you to get all of this content and be able to vote on what you want to see next on a budget. And that's what's like important to me. Somebody asked me recently, well, why isn't the Patreon free? I put so much time, research, love, conversation into these videos that I make, and they are at least 45-minute videos, and so much goes into it that doing it completely free, even as a passion project, it just makes sense for for charging for that, you guys. And, and I don't try to rob anybody's bank accounts which is why I do make my prices uh so affordable the things that you guys are getting the knowledge that you're getting from the Patreon episodes I think that you're gonna find is super fucking worth it and also it's completely uncensored it's a completely different thing it's a completely different experience it's a completely different platform so it's not going to be a free public platform like everything else is I will eventually also be moving myself away from the TikTok community because it is being so heavily censored against spiritual practicers and I just do not fucks with censoring what people say or how they say it 
I got a big problem with it. So with that being said, I want to get into this week's episode. So my guest is going to be Daniel. He goes by Stark Realities on TikTok. He is going to be listed in the description below. Please make sure to go and follow him. He's going to talk today about being raised in evangelical Christianity and things that he noticed that just didn't jive with him and the spiritual path that he is now currently on. He was very helpful with explaining things to me that I didn't really understand about certain ways that churches work. I was raised in Christian science, and I can tell you the fucking ins and out of that, but the actual toxic, abusive, evangelical Christianity and the harsh, if you will call them tears, of Christianity. He breaks that down today. I am so excited for you guys to listen. Like I said, please make sure that you go and follow him. With no further ado, here is Daniel. Hello. Hey. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. I know this has been anticipated for, I feel like, a little over a week now. I was just binging your videos. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, I, I think I had told you, but there were two people who sent me your videos on the same day. And they're like, I think you would just resonate with this. And so I was like, okay, Spirit's telling me I got to reach out and make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a, w that one video go crazy viral for, for my channel anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like I've probably done, I don't know, 80, 90 videos. And that's, you know, climbing up near 5,000 followers. And then I did that one video and like, 5,000 more people followed. And I was like, oh my gosh. I love it. And that was like <laughs> such an honest and real video too. And I feel like people are clinging to that right now because talking about the kinds of things that you talk about and that I talk about with this podcast, that's like taboo and that's new, I feel like. Well, good. You know, it's funny because what, what got me to do that video is actually I had a conversation with a family member. And I was like so irritated after the conversation because I had I had asked a family member like, hey, by the way, could you guys not pray for me? <laughs> I would really appreciate that. And it was hardcore pushback. There was, you know, again, it's the whole thing, like more offended that you would, you know, that I would say anything about Christianity being like witchcraft than that I'm asking for consent <laughs> to be recognized. So... Yeah, and I think that consent in everything, I mean, people talk about consent so much, but for some reason, forget that consent applies to like praying for somebody. And somebody recently told me that every time that people pray for her, bad things happen. And mm -hmm. I said, well, you have to think when people are praying for you and they're talking to their God, um, deity, whatever they want to call it, they right. are specifically asking for something to happen in your life that they think is a positive thing, whether or not that's actually what blesses your life and what you want. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I mentioned in, in that video just about how reckless that crowd is as well. Like I grew up Christian and I know now looking back just how much I didn't have a clue. 
And so, you know, even, even well-meaning, I, I look back and I go, good Lord, I was so reckless. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, hopefully I'm learning something today. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I, I can't deny how recklessly ignorant I was of things in my past. And so, although I would have been well-meaning, doesn't mean I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, and you... You having a certain intention doesn't mean that other people appreciate that intention. Right. And, and this is the other thing that's kind of weird because some people maybe haven't had the same experiences. Um, of course, people have all kinds of experiences. But specifically um, with Christianity, uh, so when I talk about, you know, people cursing with prayers and stuff like that, people are like, what do you mean? What about if I'm doing it nicely? And, you know, they give me these scenarios that are not really exactly, not exactly what I'm talking about. And then I go, okay, so here, here's some examples. You know, I, I've heard people in my Christian circles when I lived in that space, praying for God to bring someone to their knees so they come to, back to Jesus or ruin them for the world or... Um, to get somebody to stop smoking cigarettes, they pray that they would just be, feel sick every time they thought about smoking or touched a cigarette. I'm like, that's that's kind of legitimate cursing. So that's the kind of stuff I'm like, yeah, no, you know what? You can back off that. Um, it, 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 even and and that's and that's like another step beyond just being ignorant, you know, and and not really knowing what you're doing. That's like you're just not really. I mean, that's that's straight up cursing right so <laughs> well and i mean those people i say those people but people who are raised in strict organized religion and toxic kinds of forms of organized religion that's all fear-based their entire thing is if you don't follow these rules and do it this way then bad things happen to you so of yeah course, and that is wish bad that is super real um as far as like how you know, my, my background, some people don't know, and, and sometimes when I'm talking about Christians, it's too broad of a, a brushstroke for a lot of people because there's a lot of different brands to Christianity. Um, yes. And, you know, so I, I would have conversations with my associates who are Christian over or ex-Christian in the UK, and they would tell me what their experience was. And it was very different, um, but a lot of like, you know, uh, racism being taught as like a basis for Christianity. And mm -hmm. I used to be the guy who was like arguing, like, yeah, but that's not all Christianity and all this jazz. Now I'm like, I get that evangelical Christianity isn't all of Christianity, but it's a big part of American Christianity it is pretty huge. Um, and you know, there's other stuff. I didn't get the worst of it. You know, there's ex fundies and, and folks who get in some weird spaces that aren't super foreign to what I grew up in, but it's maybe not at, I mean, but it's maybe more intensely toxic than what I grew up in. Um, so, I mean, you know, it can always be worse too. <laughs> That's true. Well, you, um, I always start off with asking my guests what kind of spirituality they consider themselves practicing now and then what kind of spirituality did you grow up practicing? Oh, so mind if I do those backwards? <laughs> I, no, I love it. Go ahead. Uh, I grew up in uh, essentially evangelical Christianity. It had started as like a charismatic thing way back in the day, um, had been really 
fundamental or like the really rigid type of Christianity before that. And while I was growing up in it, it was moving more towards non-denominational, um, still very evangelical though, and uh, slowly moving a little bit further away from all the charismatic, you don't need to go to hospitals, God will heal you stuff. That's how and, I grew up. Um, so it slightly changed because the founding pastor had a triple heart bypass. <laughs> so then it was like, oh, maybe, maybe you go to doctors at some point. Funny <laughs> so, how that happens. So it started moving a little, a little, little closer towards sanity, like baby steps. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I've got a crazy, crazy past experience. I've worked for churches. I've, I've watched church church fallout hard a lot um, in my experience and then so I kind of left that and you know I there was a point where I just acknowledged I had to acknowledge you know the way that American Christianity is it protects pedophilia and I just can't really justify being a part of that anymore and I, I saw it too many times um, and, and was like this is this is horrific I can't be a part of this I can definitely never take my family to these uh, things anyway so eventually I got out um, what do I practice now that is a moving target <laughs> okay because um, I'm kind of I'm really new to a lot of this. It's funny because I ended up uh, practicing claromancy or casting lots, which did a lot of heavy lifting on changing my belief systems. And I'm not super proud of that in that, like, I literally had to hear from my deity that, like, homosexuality was part of something that God's plan for people, and that's not me making crap up. Because of, like, you talked about that inbred fear. I literally was like, you know, I have to get this right or, you know, the whole I'm going to hell or whatever. All that jazz. Um, it's really real. And you get out and you're kind of afraid to take a step in any direction because you don't know when you're going to get, you know, what's going what's gonna to do it. What's going <laughs> to have God smack you into the ground, um, which is, you know, toxic uh, leftovers from having grown up in very cultic environments. So um, now what do I practice? I, I feel like one of the simplest ways I, I, I tell Christians my, my journey is that I was really sincere about following God. He left the church and so I followed him out. And so do I have a new deity? I have more understanding of maybe the deity I think I'm following. Um, and uh, as well as that none of the boundaries I grew up with are really where the lines are at <laughs> as far as who God is, what God is, um, what gender God is, and all that jazz, right? So now I would say some of the things that have changed for me is that I believe in like reincarnation. I believe that God has like, a, I, I noticed a trend between like different cultures that there's like 12 deity types and that was across egyptian roman greek um and native american i have i have uh native american background on some level i'm a total american mutt made up of a lot of different parts and uh so i was like wow there's this like whole thing with 12 is that is that what you are and so you know god in my experience was like yeah this is kind of what this is um, so now I would say I, I believe in 
essentially the same God, but that there's 12 kind of faces to God that many people come across in their own different ways. I've met people who worship Odin and people who worship, you know, all kinds of what I think are different faces to God, probably. But at the same time, what do I know? <laughs> I'm learning. No, I love that you said that. Um because I've never heard anybody take it back to, hey, I think that these deities are all the same uh, God, same energy, but like presented in different ways. Is that what you mean? Like the faces present themselves differently? Yeah. So for an example, um, so I have my, my wife and I are, have very different ways of uh, connecting with God. So and that's really been different. A, a really been a, a, a learning experience to actually like deconstruct alongside a spouse because <laughs> you move at different paces. So she's, she's always been more progressive than me. And what changed for me really was when I was like, when I realized I could approach and reach out to the divine through the casting lots. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, this is like a direct path to getting a lot of, really intense answers that are not what I'm used to on any level. And so that started aggressively changing what I believe. So Can you explain what casting yeah. lots are to me? Sure, absolutely. So in, in history, so it started first, I, the Bible has a bunch of casting lots and um, which is basically just using a die or some technique like that like like a game of chance so to speak um so sometimes it's casting sticks or rolling a dice or what have you to basically invite the divine to intervene in the result as a way of providing feedback huh okay so and, and this is my understanding of it because in in the in in like uh bible stories um, the Israelites actually split up by lot who was going to have which part of the lands they were taking over by family. And that was through lots. Uh, Jonah was going to die. And the sailors on the ship cast lots to say, whoever's doing this, whatever deities fucking us all up, um, whose is it and who's in trouble on the ship? Who, who's the problem? And it goes, it points to Jonah. And they go, okay, well, there you go. What'd you do, man? And so like this, this whole idea of casting lots, they cast lots to replace Judas after Judas dies from, you know, in the, in the narrative of the Jesus story, all these things involved casting lots and not just the Bible, but in actual history, we have like stories um, from Josephus, uh, a history of the Jewish war. And Josephus is in a scenario where some very suicidal uh, zealots basically are like, we'll never be taken by the Romans. Let's all kill ourselves and die. And he's like, yeah, that's uh and he plays them and says, that's a great idea, but uh, let's actually cast lots so that we don't kill ourselves. Cause that's not, that's not appropriate. So we'll kill the guy next to us and then we'll be free from it. It was, it's corny. Um, but, and he does that. And, <laughs> and it's actually how he ends up surviving that situation. Um, so history has casting a lot. The Bible has casting a lot. As soon as I got away from like classic Christian control of my own reading, I said, wait a second, this seems like something that really happens. And how do I do that? And I looked into it. There's a le uh, legend that uh, the Jewish 
priests that would go before the Ark of the Covenant and all this jazz were actually using lots through the stones on their outfit and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of lore around that. And the, the whole point is this underlying belief system that if there's a deity, this deity can affect um, probability in a, as a way of responding to me. So if I roll a die and I have preset that, hey, we're going to do this means yes, this means no, um, that we can do that. And I can actually have some form of faith that my deity will interact. This almost sounds like a cross between using ruins and coin tossing. I don't know because, again, <laughs> I am new. Coin tossing, sure, I understand that. I don't know how you use runes. The biggest thing for me was just echoing some of the freedom that I feel like <laughs> got uh, the divine takes that I don't appreciate and making sure that was reflected in casting lots. So I actually roll like a six-sided die. Uh, one means yes, two means yeah, like a soft. Maybe you're not quite on the mark, but generally you're in the right direction. And then three means nah, you're kind of missing it. Not entirely. And then four is just a straight up no. And then the two other parts of interacting with the divine, which I absolutely hate, which is just silence, which is a five and six being wait. <laughs> so, wait. yeah. So I figured <laughs> as, as painful as it is, I probably should have that in my matrix for how I reach out to the divine. And, uh, and, and it's not like an absolute. Uh, oftentimes I get different answers over time. I've learned we don't, uh, talk to the same entity when it is a full moon. That is like a special night or time, depending on how long that's going to run, um, where you can talk to your ancestors, which I find way less useful, but, <laughs> um, so that's one thing I found over time, um, at time, so it's it's it's. I look for themes. So if I get an answer that's really wild and out there, I go well. We'll, we'll see if this stays as a theme over time. Do I keep hearing this? And if I keep hearing it, then probably it's divinely shared. So. Do you yeah. think that there's a different energy that's answering you when you're talking, when it's like full moon time? No, no, no. I no. I've literally asked. Well, so like. Originally, like when I started, like, because I'm coming out of Christianity, I'm terrified that I'm going to be talking to demons or being taken in by some other um, maleficent spirit, right? Because that's like my whole mode of my worldview from Christianity is that everything's evil and I'm going to destroy you and you need to run in fear and everything that you do. Um, Oversimplification, but definitely how that breaks down in practicality. And... Um, so it's not so much a different energy, but I would get very, I still get conflicting answers, kind of things that seem like out of character for, you know, the kind of conversations you typically have. Um, so like, for example, my ancestors, they, I, I've started noticing it now. I'll ask them questions. They'll give me some wildly bogus answer. And I'm like, okay, well, this was anybody there in my past that can actually, that saw this? No, no, no. So they, they don't have any good reasons for the answers they're giving. And I'm like, okay, you guys are not very helpful. Thanks. <laughs> I'm so, really uh, interested to know as you're, and, and for you to keep an eye out as you are 
you know, moving towards trying to figure out what works for you and, mm-hmm. and getting away from like fear base. Oh and yeah. Starting to like dissect messages. I bet you that you're going to end up coming back around to certain questions that you've asked and certain ancestor answers that you've had where all of a sudden where you thought you didn't have answers before, I bet you things start to fit in and it just doesn't make sense within the consciousness of understanding at this time. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, (laughs) it challenges me a lot with the different answers I get when it's normal, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I went from being very classic Christian. I mean, I, I witnessed to people, I worked for churches, I knew my Christianity, I knew what the gospel was versus um, tenets of convenience and, you know, all of it. I like I lived it for over 35 years. And so to then move out of that space and go, you know what, the divine has yet to, it really doesn't think that there's demons. That's, they're never really confirming that. They'll tell me there's stuff you don't want to get involved with, but not really demons. And that's just, and you know, again, this is my experience. So I'm not saying everybody has to take a hold of these beliefs for themselves. Just like I don't think that uh, casting lots or claromancy is is necessarily for everybody. Um, So my wife doesn't practice uh, claromancy. She reaches out to the divine in her own way and we've been told that she literally has a different deity or a different face of god that she interacts with and so um you know that's very different and then the other thing that was very interesting because it was learning about names and how important names are and i was saying okay so deity what do you want to be called (laughs) what do you like to be called and um, the names that I was given at that time or, or that month um, were was a uh, uh, what is that a Roman or a Greek god name uh, Juno and then after the next moon it changed and it was like actually I don't now I want to be known as this and I was like wait a second we're back to the twelve is this by month is this literally you want a different name per month is that why okay this this is the face of a god thing again isn't it so I don't. I don't know what all that necessarily means, just that many of us reach out to the divine and the divine meets us where we're at. And that may be very different. Yeah. So I've had, um, I, I heard you mention a couple of times, like, you know, that's just how I practice and nobody has to do that or whatnot. And that's like the entire point of the podcast is that there's so many different ways to spir- to practice spirituality. So many of us come from, organized religions and had to, you know, break different circumstances growing mm. up and different beliefs. And yeah, as I'm sure that you find also, it's hard to find people who practice and believe close to what you do or exactly what you do. And so I want to bridge that gap where you just get to authentically like tell your story. And I want somebody who listens in to be like, holy fuck, I grew up that way too. And I got over that. And yeah, well, you talk about like the rigidity side of it, and that is very much like an embedded belief system in the Christianity I grew up with. There was a whole God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that was basically implying that if you have a spiritual experience with God, mine had better look like it or it is illegitimate. Exactly. And that is such bullshit, at least in my experience. Um, and, and I started looking at, People who had wildly 
unexplainable divine experiences. Uh, I, I, I kind of gravitate toward Joan of Arc, uh, Arc, Joan of Arc, um, because she has this really weird religious experience. Um, she's completely out of place in the misogyny of her day and she takes it on and she has this wild story. It's a really wild story. And then it culminates in, in treachery really and they destroy her. And I can't invalidate that because I'm so far away in another part of history. And I have to ask the question, if someone like Joan of Arc has her experience or Josephus has his experiences, that are wildly different from the norm, I can't keep saying that, well, everybody's going to have the same experience when they interact with God or the divine. And we're not the same people. We're all very different. So when I leave Christianity and go, probably the divine is so much bigger than the little boxes that we tried to commoditize them into, as a brand of Christianity growing up, probably because we're all different, our experiences will likely be very vastly different. And if that's the case, then I need to expect that the next person will find the divine and find life in their own path. And I don't really get to judge that. I can, I can say, hey, I'm concerned. Is this healthy for you? But beyond that, and that's probably only by invitation, right? So yeah. I, I like, I really have no business going, that's not it. Because how the hell would I know? I wasn't, I wasn't born a woman this round. I can't <laughs> comment on that, you know? So, you know, stuff like that. It's just, I, I, I and, and it's really freeing to leave Christianity and go, you know what? I don't have to have an answer for everything. Good Lord, that's so relieving. I don't have to tell everybody how to live their lives. Good golly. Because um, I can't answer that. That's ridiculous. And so I love the freedom of walking out of Christianity. I love the freedom of discovering the divine that is so much bigger than me. It's a little unnerving because I was trained in fear. And that's another like facet of casting lots is don't do it in fear. Uh, if it's not in faith, like you'll get the same energy back is how I would put it in terms of energy. <laughs> so my question for that is how do you differentiate what's being done for faith versus what's being done for fear when fear is so heavily integrated into that aspect of Christianity? Uh, it, it, well, I mean, for me, if I'm in like a very depressed place, it is a bad time for me to go cast lots because gotcha. I'm going to ask very dark, sarcastic things of God or the divine, and I'm going to get fairly dark, sarcastic answers <laughs> is, is what I feel like my experience has been. Um, it's not always like that, but generally, I feel like I will go off on my own rabbit trail and casting lots at that point isn't really helpful because I'm really just stewing in my own darkness yeah absolutely no i i totally agree and i think that the energy that you have you know within yourself sways the messages that you get um i call it from spirit you, you know call it from a deity or from the divine um, sure yeah and i you to go back on what you had been talking about kind of near the beginning you were saying the differences um in different kinds of christian uh faiths whereas 
Mm. Uh, I think you said evangelical, and then we were going into some other categories. I wasn't raised in Christianity. I was raised in Christian science. And so oh yeah, yeah. I'm not extremely knowledgeable on all the different aspects of Christianity. Would you mind educating me on some of those different brackets? So there's a lot, right? <laughs> I wasn't raised like, so I grew up in a crowd that would be called Pentecostal or charismatic. And which is really interesting because they did a lot of um, spiritual stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. And if you're familiar with like a whole movement that wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues and uh, be slain in the spirit, which basically means just kind of like passing out, I don't know, and having a spiritual experience. Um, I, I mean, we, I grew up in this and it was like a thing that I really wanted because I saw people interacting what I believed because they told me they were interacting with the divine. They would have other things like uh, spiritual laughter. So they literally would sit in service just like laughing their heads off and that was supposed to be from God. And I think with a lot of these things, I can't say that there wasn't the divine moving in any of these things on some level for somebody. I, my experience pre-getting out of Christianity is that the divine seems to answer hunger no matter where you're at. And it would drive me crazy because I knew some of these places were absolutely toxic, even as a, as a, a, a Christian. Um, and so that was like the charismatic stuff was all about these like shows of spirituality, of experience. And, but it also was cookie cutter. Like you literally had to do the same thing. And that's where you get the, the preacher that's going to push people in the forehead to try and knock them backwards because you just got slain by the spirit like no you just arm wrestled my head to the floor but um and that and so there's a lot of a lot of grasping and people making stuff up i think to fit in because again it's got to look like the other package or it's not real it's not god it's not the divine and so a lot of that kind of jazz um and and also the the undertones that we don't go to doctors um the victim mentality that the world's against you because you're a christian and you believe in jesus um and all of these kind of these kinds of really ultimately it's fairly toxic it removes you from society from healthy friendships it isolates you it's a lot of cultic approaches to life that eventually have a lot of negative stuff uh, the belief that the whole world's gonna burn and jesus is coming back and stuff like that to where you're end up celebrating when horrible things happen because you just sure that means jesus is coming um and stuff like that and you know people hold these views and, and these values uh, some of us grew up in it sincerely believing that what we were being told was from a place of sincerity and honesty and truth and then as we got older we said hey i'm very sincere about this so anyways that that was kind of like my religious experience um, and then it became evangelical. So it really ended up blending in with classic conservative culture instead of even classic Bible. And then it all, it started to unravel when you start pulling the strings and you go, wait, you don't believe any of this stuff. This entity that I, this organization I've been a part of doesn't believe these things. They are actually just using these ideas to build their own 
kingdoms, whatever. Where did that uh, <laughs> mind shift come in for you where you went from being raised this way and believing these things and then all of a sudden you were like, wait a second, like something's not adding up here. And then what was your progression from realizing that and then actually getting yourself out? Because that, I mean, that process, once that's yeah. been burned and ingrained into you, that I know that that's oh, not yeah. just like an instant process for you. No, it's not. It's a hard kind because people have asked me like, okay, wh what turned you? <laughs> and I, I think first, I grew up sincerely believing what I what what we were doing, and so mm -hmm. when I started running across insincerity, I was like, well, what the what the fuck is that? That's not Jesus. You're not even interested in people. You don't even like people. In fact, you hate your job. You hate being a part of Christianity, and yet you're going to run around and tell everybody they need to do X, Y, Z, um, and then and then. In those experiences of being in Christianity, seeing how much destruction there was in it, everywhere I went, you know, I've been a part of saving church plants that went south. I've been a part of churches where the pastor was on uh, whatever relationship number three while he's married and trying to run church. And you're just like, what on earth is this? I mean, just be sincere. Stop the, you know, duality and be one thing or the other, but be it honestly for crying out loud. Um, I've been fired from churches and later found out that the pastor that I had such a hard time with, uh, turned out to be a pedophile and like more and more of this stuff. And so I saw a lot of the insincerity of the church, but you know, you can't be in that without knowing that's there. Um, but then the other things that affected my views and started changing the way, cause I grew up really super conservative. Um, and then I had a wonderful, uh, my wife and I have a really awesome uh, black friend who took the time to like push past all of our racism <laughs> and our, no, no, that's not real. That's not how it is. And actually share with us what, it's, what her experience was like. And we were like, okay, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to try to shut myself up and listen to you. And that's when I first started learning about just real realities of history in our nation that race history that I was, you know, never taught in school. And so that started challenging my attitudes about Christianity as well, because it had, it had so meshed evangelical Christianity had so meshed with the culture of um, Republican politics and that it was, it was weird, like in the church I grew up in. Now I understand and, I, and I, I always get pushed back from Christians that are like in very progress, progressive Christian environments. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's not Christianity. And that's not true Christianity. But the thing is, is everybody's saying that when we were in, when I was a Christian, there was like the unspoken truth that Democrats weren't really Christian. <laughs> and oh. like these crazy. So every, everybody's saying that the other guy's not really Christian enough. And that's why there's so much, you know, denominational fracturing of all these different entities, because everybody's trying to identify their entity as the real and everything else is not good enough. And that's part of the cultic, the cultic facet of how I grew up. And yes, not all, not everybody lives that, but so, um, I find it fascinating that, know, um, religion, it? you totally did, um, and I find it fascinating that politics are, or that religion is so um, integrated into politics because it seriously is. Mm. Um, and, well, and that's the pursuit of power, right? Right. The inevitable pursuit of power that 
the destruction that Christianity has wreaked on the world was motivated from. And it, it goes back to Constantine legislating Christianity as a law uh, on pain of death and all the adopted paganism that, that was immediately infused in Christianity so pagans would feel comfortable you know, not dying and coming into Catholicism and, 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 and all the way down the line, you know, killing yes. people, waging ethnic cleansing and you name it, genocides of all sorts. Adopting in pagan rituals Jesus. and putting them into practices and then condemning the pagans for practicing in that exactly. way. <laughs> I could go I, on for that. Exactly. <laughs> Which I, I find incredibly uh, satisfyingly uh, humorous. Uh, because that is one of the things I have the most fun poking, poking fun about Christianity. Now that I'm on the outside, I'm like, wait, so speaking in tongues, um, laying hands on people. I mean, these are incantations. You do realize that. I mean, Not going to the all... doctor because you can do something naturally and with prayer and energy, but you know, that's yeah. the devil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Do- I mean, all of it. And, and then to go back and laugh about the Christian history of persecuting witchcraft. I'm like, guys. Oh, my gosh. Coming up on Easter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did a segment on my Patreon about the Scotland witch trials. And um, in researching, I was learning about the laws that had been set in place that um, made it, you know, legal or whatnot to start persecuting witches and pagans. And mm-hmm. one of the things that really set it off, it, it was the Catholic church because paganism had been acceptable. It was the Catholic church saying, well, you're a heretic if you support this whatnot. And the Royals had been using um, pagans for fortune telling and for learning about astrology and for all kinds of things. And, in the late 1600s, King James came out with this. He came out with three books called the Daemonologies. And he literally is educating people on witchcraft, telling you what to look out for, the kind of circles that are done, the kind of spell work that's done, all this stuff, and then going, and that's all of the devil, so don't do it, but I've educated you on it, so you all now know the information. And <laughs> I, I did that video and I was like, so he literally spent, you know, he had to have spent years and, you know, talking with people and, and learning things because the things that he says do have factual, you know, basis in how the circle works and, and what the intent is. And I'm like, so yeah, you research yeah. this, but you know, in the name of the Lord and don't do it. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, just like King Saul. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Wait, so to go it's, back, it's weird because I'm still learning all this stuff. Because I, it's weird. I grew up in the Christian bubble, and in that space, like I actually went to ministry school. I learned that Constantine had legislated Christianity, that paganism had been adopted in, but I was so mm, inoculated to it. I was so taught to see everything through this toxic view of supremacy mm-hmm. that well no no we actually are the best and ever since then all these denominational fractures or steps back toward the real which is what we are today and hopefully even better in the future and so that when i saw truth and it's blatantly obvious hey my religion is probably deeply steeped in 
paganism because that's what history says. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't see it and I could not see it because I was being taught how to process the world. Um, and it's, so it's, it's very nice to get away from that. It's, um, it's actually really hard because then you go back through all your beliefs you thought were yours and you have to like reparse. And for someone like myself, I've been a Christian my whole life. So I have to go back through and go, what about me is even real? <laughs> what about what I believe was me in the first place? And do I really think that there's a place for that belief anymore? Yeah. And, and what was, what has been toxified and from where? And, you know, you do that from a broken place in the first place. Usually people go through some sort of trauma experience that begins walking them out of the toxicity of the church or something like that, that changes for them. So for me, it was also experiencing poverty because my uh, conservative Republican culture was deeply tied into my Christianity. So seeing that like, hey, these policies are garbage. They don't work for anybody. They don't work for the guys on the bottom. I know because I just tried it. <laughs> and this is completely uh, messing me up. And this isn't for people. This is this is evil. Um, and to go from there and start processing that, and then you know eventually move out of Christian spaces and detox further and go, good lord, why do I feel like so wrong and out of place to just not be going to an organized religious experience on a Sunday? That that should be okay. I should be able to feel normal about that and. In the, in, even in the religious view, the idea of a Sunday religious experience should not even be what I consider like my religious duty <laughs> um, because that's bogus and self-centered and not even doing anything anyway. So like, what, what is all this junk that's still hangs on that, you know, like you talked yeah. about the cheer. It's, and, you know, it's a guilt too. It's a guilt of, that's oh, been, I feel okay. like wired and ingrained into you. And I want to give you credit because it it's one thing to move out of that space and be figuring things out. It's another thing to publicly talk about things and to admit, you know, these are the kinds of, of toxic mindsets that I know that I have had that I've experienced in. And these are the ways that I'm working on changing it. And you, you speak about them. So although there's like a guilt, I don't feel like you don't sound shameful about things. You sound like you have learned from the past and you're trying to figure out how to swift how to swiftly change that energy and start putting something different out into the world. Well, thank you. Um, I actually really put it off. I didn't want to speak about it. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I have my TikTok channel that has started growing, so that's nice. But um, as a way of reaching out to people and sharing my journey. But I really didn't want to go there. Um, I mean, I do because I have a filmmaking background. And I like <laughs> filmmaking. I like making videos and stuff, but I, my life as a religious person previously was steeped in the supremacy idea that I have to proselytize the world. I have to turn everybody into Christians. Um, I have to convince everybody they're wrong, that they're broken, 
and all these, you know, very toxic ideas, actually. Um, and I did not want that to be a part of my life anymore. And so I really hesitated about talking because uh, many things are better being done than talked about. <laughs> and, and I didn't want to become a, someone who was going to argue with people about how they needed to do their spirituality and give them my judgments. And I sat on, you know, I sat on it and said, I, I'm not doing that for a while. I maybe someday, but not today. And for me, I really enjoyed and I found people's journeys that I could hear about on TikTok, um, whether it was out of Christianity, crossing into homosexuality or leaving Mormon churches or, you know, just processing it. There's there's some folks who are like from the kinds of uh, religious circles I grew up in who are uh, on TikTok and sharing a lot about their experience because they grew up under, you know, very prominent pastoral families and crap like that. Um, and they're saying, hey, this is garbage. I'm an atheist now and stuff like that. And I found their journeys very meaningful. I, I love to dialogue with people. Um, even as a Christian, I, I had homosexual friends. And I know that sounds silly, but that was like salacious in some circles. <laughs> when you're Christian, how dare you? Um, and, and I loved to talk with people and understand where they're coming from and go, you know, we, we disagree, but tell me more about what your experience is. And, you know, that's, that's how you learn uh, from other people, what their experience is like. Um, and then at some point I said, okay, I, uh, I, I'm comfortable with the idea that I am going to share specifically so I can share my story, share my journey. And if this veers off into arguing too much, I'm just going to make sure I go back to like, hey, what is my journey experience today? Or what's a part of my journey I haven't shared with you yet? Because I don't want to be that person I was. Right. Running around, giving my judgments on everybody. And yes, it's life. You have to judge what comes in. And that's a part of what we're sharing. But that's not the point. I don't so. find your page to come across as judgmental. I find, I find that you speak a lot about your personal experiences on your page. And if that's going to sound judgmental to somebody, that's one thing, but I don't, I don't feel like you villainize or demonize anything when you're talking. I, I feel like you very much say, this has been my experience and this is why I'm not comfortable with that. And this is what people are still experiencing. And, you know, if people want to follow that. I just want you guys to kind of be educated on, on this is what it's really like. Um, so I think that if your goal was to do this and not to come across like you're judging other people, I think that you've successfully done that. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, sometimes I've been told I look like our, our uh, Robert Downey Jr. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to do a TikTok. I need to bring my A game and make it fun if I'm going to do a channel. So that's why I did the whole hashtag Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which is fun. It, it's fun when someone is like, it took me the longest time to realize that was not <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, you made my day. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but, but I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be fun because, um, the uh, humor helps us process because so much of it's heavy 
and it just is you know because a lot of us that was like an a nonstop traumatic experience for us and 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 the the really insidious part about coming out of christianity is that you're taught to partner with it so a lot of the things you did in your own spirit was something you did based on what you were given as like oh no this is totally reality now go and so there's a part of like forgiving yourself um cleaning out what you did to yourself when you partnered with the lies when you partnered with those really toxic ideas and it's it's heavy that's a lot <laughs> there there is a lot it's you know most most of the churches uh the religious organizations i've been a part of have trails of wreckage of people's lives so and and i think a lot of us i hope there's a movement of people <laughs> moving into into truth moving into light moving out of darkness moving out of the dogma um i hope that's not just my perception but it seems like a lot of folks are going through that alongside us and i think it's very valuable to to share that and say hey this is what i learned i'm not saying this is what you're going to do or that this is a five-step program to make everybody like you and feel happy um but (laughs) but this is my my experience and Hopefully you can glean something helpful like I found in other people's stories. So, yes, someone's going to hear And I'm also story. here to like ask people, I'm asking people like, tell me more because uh, you, you just shared about um, King George, uh, King James. Um, and <laughs> uh, some of that I knew and some of it I had never heard of. And recently I heard some of it and I was like, wait, what? And so I, I have a whole like always growing list of things for me to like pursue and reach out and find out about because I've never had that experience. So it's kind of abstract. It feels like being a a kid again, because I don't know shit. (laughs) I'm like, Oh really? Eating. Tell me more. I don't know anything. I can't even tell you how much I, I learned just from doing this podcast because everybody comes from a different background and they practice differently. And it's kind of what inspired me to do the Patreon because yeah. people love knowing about like what the histories are of things and why people do what they do and how things came about and, you know, why, you know, what kinds of bullshit was going on in the 1600s that made the witch trials start or whatever it may be. Um, and I, I feel the same as you where I yeah. love learning this new information and diving in. And so for me, that's how I've been able to channel that and like share stories with other people and like bridge that gap. And I think that there are people who are going to listen to this episode and resonate with you so much. And there are probably people who are going to listen and have more questions and be like, holy shit, like this other stuff that I experienced over here. Did he experience that too? Because wow, I'm finally not alone. Um, a lot yeah. of, a lot yeah. of, when tr- you hear someone like uh, verbalize the, um, the abuse or the, the toxicity or the the idea that plagued you and and just hear it put out in like a pithy summary you're you know your insides go yep yeah (laughs) exactly somebody said it and it feels good to hear it because that did so much damage to me you know somebody said it and somebody could articulate yeah yeah and there's power in that for whatever reason it feels very 
freeing and transformative to hear someone just tell it like it is and you go oh my gosh that is what I went through yes sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no totally fine I Uh, feel like I do that too much (laughs) no I feel like once we're talking about like I just kind of am used to it at this point because I feel like spirituality (laughs) is such like a passionate no not with you but just in general because spirituality is such like a passionate topic and you know, you kind of get the ball rolling with what you're saying. And you're like, I got to get this thought out real quick. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I well, have I, I two. I respectful from my side, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's. I, and I meant that with respect. I just kind of talk like that. <laughs> um, I have yeah. two questions for you just from things that yep. um, we were talking about. So the first one is. So. You had mentioned pedophilia in the churches, and I'm wondering if the churches Mm -hmm. um, protected the pedophiles. Do they speak out to like authorities when it's brought up or is their mission kind of to protect the ministers and the people in power? Yeah. So the reason I say that about Christianity or at least the evangelical Christian organizations that I grew up in and around is that the ideas they have surrounding how they deal with that are absolutely toxic. So let me give you an example. Um, I jokingly call it the pastor relocation program. Oh, no. Uh, And what it is, is they have equated their church's brand with Jesus Christ, the brand of Jesus. And so if you've done anything um, if you come out and say this pastor is operate is doing things they should not be doing, and it could be anything. I had this happen where a pastor was lying to me, just blatantly lying, and I went to their kind of overhead, the pastor that I'd grown up with most of my life, and said, "Hey, this dude is just lying." And I went and talked to the people he was talking about, corroborated his lie. That is exactly what he's doing. And I was told, you don't get to, uh, there's a verse, um, something about the, you know, attack the Lord's anointed or some garbage like that. It's the holy man cult where those who are up on the stage, up on the pedestal, in the position of power, you don't get to um, throw rocks. (laughs) You don't don't get to actually uh, find fault with them. And... Because if you did, it's going to hurt the cause of Christ in the world because they're doing stuff for Jesus. And because of that, they then go about doing horrible things. That kind of a mentality. Or you could say that mentality is because they want to do horrible things. They have now made this mentality that supports this idea. And so what ends up happening is um, a, a pastor, someone in power will do something inappropriate for their brand for what they claim they believe and then it will be squelched the information will not be shared and if it's bad enough they'll quietly let everyone know this pastor feels like god has led him somewhere else or or they'll give some sort of bogus answer as to why this is now happening and they'll move them into a new organization And they'll transfer like their pastor credits are good here. And they'll end up being placed in another position of power with direct access to victims just like those they victimized. And that is the way they process abuse. 
So do and they almost get a pass? Happens over and over. A- absolutely. They, if they submit themselves to authority, which means we're going to tell you what you got to do to get your spanking and, and do your Hail Marys and walk up the stairs on your knees. Um, if you do what we tell you, then we will, you know, it'll be repentance and you'll be restored. Um, rather than what any sane person would be uh, saying is, wow, you are a, an abuser of a position of power. You probably should not be doing anything that involves power, having a power over people anymore. Maybe, you know, painter, uh, you know, paint the church, sweep, whatever, but not be in control of people's lives. Um, not that any of those jobs are, they're just different. And I find it disgusting and fascinating at the same time as I do most things with these. (laughs) I find it fascinating that it is forgiven that they can abuse children and that they keep on being put into positions to redo that. And that's not sinning because, oh, all you got to do is, you know, do your Hail Marys and ask for some forgiveness. But for people that make just minor mistakes or are friends with heterosexual people or whatnot that then they're villainized for for doing that so only the people in power are worthy of like forgiveness and getting away with things but not yeah, the practicers def- definitely a class system and again that goes back to like the the holy man cult and this is a whole um where Christianity and 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 I know we say Hail Marys and stuff like that. To be fair, I've never I've been in a Catholic church once in my life. Catholicism is not really my experience outside of it being the legacy that my my Christianity came from, uh, or, or 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 the precursor to my my brand of Christianity I grew up in, which was largely easily you could just say evangelical Christianity, but. Yeah, the holy man cult that says I can't just simply reach out to the divine, which is weird because even in the brand of Christianity I grew up in, you know, the Bible says I can the Holy Spirit's my teacher and, you know, that I should be, you know, reaching out to the divine and that I shouldn't be dependent and calling anyone father and, and, you know, all these ideas. But in practice, they don't do that. They absolutely set up a holy man cult where the guy there is supposed to make all the wealth. And again, that was part of my deconstruction is watching how my giving was used to enrich people on the top, specifically the pastor. And when we went to celebrate a person of color who had been in the church forever giving of themselves, and then they went to leave and go do something else in their life. The church wanted nothing to do with celebrating that person or using the church's resources to do that. And I was like, well, that's garbage. These were my resources I gave to this church. And and so, you know, just you start to see the racism, the misogyny, and it takes a long time to see those things if you were grow, if you grew up in it, if you were steeped in it. Now, I had the, I guess, good fortune of... Um, being uh i ended up working and traveling a lot uh with my family across the u.s so i ended up in illinois Uh, i grew up in silicon valley i ended up on the east coast i had a lot more exposure than what i was raised in and where i was raised we were like oh there's no there's no real racism come on that's just dumb people doing that shit and then i lived in the midwest and i was like oh my gosh this place is outrageous and horrible and 
I was raised in a lie. <laughs> this stuff is everywhere and it's not good. Um, and so as you take those baby steps, you realize that the organizations you grew up in were misogynistic, were racist, were toxic, um, were uh, homophobic and abusive, uh, wildly abusive. And for me, that whole, you know, the pastor relocation program where they never really ultimately lose their job, they get put on paid sabbatical, and then we move them along to another another church, and they find their way right back again in a position to abuse people. And nobody really went after helping the victims of the pastor. We just were all super concerned that he repent. And wow. and then what? Uh, put him right back in a place of power, of course, for Jesus, you know, and all that jazz. You, you start realizing this is a cult cultic way of living it's not healthy it's actually illegal in many instances um you know not reporting uh sexual abuse crimes and stuff like that so yeah are do they have and i and i i don't know this um i'm wondering if you do do churches have a um like a different legal system than regular or would they work with the same authorities like do they have different um like guidelines and rules and things that are the handled within the church? Only one. I mean, yes, they will do a lot of that depending on their brand of Christianity. They may believe in um, like one of the, one of the value systems is to, to never go to court with an unbeliever and crap like that. And so the, in some crowds, of Christianity, they will have their own method for like, hey, you ripped me off. Let's go to an arbiter that's a Christian brother. And um, so they won't use the court system. But that's not that's not that common for the most What's an part. arbiter? Do they like do a duel? <laughs> yes, wrestling match. Yeah. Um, no, no, just someone who's supposedly going to be an impartial uh, mediator. That's so who's going to listen to both sides and then make a ruling and you guys agree to both be like, okay, well, he said, uh, we're going this way. So we're going that way. Frank and is that, really that. sorry that he touched little Billy. Can we move on from this now? <laughs> so not like that. That would be more like, like very small level, like, uh, like they would only probably do that kind of thing, um, for what is that? Like, um, it's not civil. It's like small tort cases, I guess. I don't know what you call it, but like when it's, when it's a discrepancy about like you ripped me off of money or you didn't do what you said. But when it gets into the, the crazier stuff um, that should be going to court uh, or, or should be reported to police, um, there's not a, a separate system. They just don't report it. And they feel like, you know, we did right by doing X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and not everybody I'm, I'm, I imagine somewhere somebody has reported these things and not everything that, that happens is a crime. Right. You know, a lot of this, a lot of it. And this is what kind of drives me a little crazy about some of the rigidity of Christianity. A lot of it will be someone being very untrue to the tenants they claim they live by. So if you want to live a polyamorous lifestyle, this, that's your choice. You go do that. You do you, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do that and claim you believe in tenets about monogamy and anti-LGBTQ and the whole community is going to burn in hell and these horrible things, then you're being inconsistent when you go and live a polyamorous lifestyle in hiding. 
you know, and that's, that's what drives me crazy with that stuff is there are people who are still punishing themselves in that system that are, you know, closet homosexuals that should probably just go be homosexual and say, Hey, my brand of Christianity includes homosexuality. And some people do. And I'm not saying nobody does this. I'm just saying it's very painful to be around a crowd that is inflicting these like self abuse on themselves in Christendom. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad for the people that, that are stuck living their lives like that. Um, the other facet of that is that we were raised hypersexualized. So if you've heard anything yes, about like purity culture mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, if you constantly tell someone, that some facet of their life is going to take them down or it's going to ruin them or that their sexuality is like a superpower that will overrun the minds of men or that men are such limp, you know, weaklings that boy, if they just see a gal's knee, they're going to go sexually nuts. (laughs) Um, First of all, you empower all kinds of horrific, but what you're doing psychologically is sexualizing uh, kids that are growing up in Christendom like crazy. And so th- there's a lot of pitfall. Kids growing up in Christendom end up finding like, hey, you know, sexuality is supposed to be like the greatest drug you ever heard of that was going to ruin the world. It was cool. It wasn't that. And I thought I was, <laughs> you know, I was ready to become a crack addict on sex because I got married and or whatever, you know, like the lack of sex education is wild and i'm i experienced it i didn't know anything until i got married and had kids and and so many people so many kids grow up in christendom not even getting sex ed and we're like oh is that how that works i had no idea i was working out for like three dirty jokes (laughs) three dirty jokes that's hilarious um and that also pushes the culture of getting married simply so that you can sleep with somebody because that's what you like you have to be married in order to do that and then oh yeah it's well, not also o- not, not only that but having a pastor tell you who you're gonna marry or who you what? shouldn't marry when i got uh when i my, i proposed to my wife and we were like dude we're doing this my pastor uh, which I use the term loosely because he pastored the church, but like, I didn't really know him. He didn't really know me. And he was kind of like miffed that I had not asked him for permission. And there's this whole, and this is, I don't know if it's an evangelical thing or just the churches I was around, but where they expect to go from like you getting permission to marry the person you think you want to marry. And then right into like, marital sex counseling with a pastor as if you know nothing creepy here nothing could go wrong in this scenario uh because we use the word pastor (laughs) and how they get their rocks off hearing about things from a second point of view exactly and 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 who knows what else you know like if they're fishing for some you know their way of of abuse that they're to that sets them up and it's just not good. There's a lot of not good going on in the Christianity I grew up in. Uh, so 
I, I digress. What is it about a homosexually, oh, excuse me, homosexuality specifically that like that bothered them? Is it a certain thing in the Bible that says like, absolutely not, you can't do that? Um, so this is something I'm slowly learning over time because I grew up with, I was in that camp, dude. I had witnessed and tried to turn one of my homosexual friends. I probably more than one homosexual friend I tried to turn. Like, oh, God's not into that. Your honesty, um, I appreciate. And there is, uh, so there are verses in the Bible that are like anti-homosexuality. Now, it's not fully honest to say that without then going back and saying, however, Bible translators have been mucking with the Bible nonstop. And this is not something you learn as a Christian. You're not learn, you don't learn that, you know, uh, how much the Bible changed under King James and how it was made to, you know, promote praying for the king. And uh, you, you also don't learn, it's just, you don't learn any real history. And so you're not really honest about how much the Bible's been changed. And at, uh, I believe it was in the last century, they re, uh, retranslated everything that said pedophilia, which was talking about a sexual relationship between a, an adult and a child, mm -hmm. uh, to be homosexuality, which originally wasn't really integrated as a, a part of the Bible. Um, and so... Then now we have everywhere where it, where it would have been talking about pedophilia. Now we're talking about homosexuality. And so we're like, oh, yeah, it's right there in the Bible. But we're so ignorant of the journey of the Bible through history <laughs> that we don't know half of what we're talking about. And, and, and I believed growing up in that cult, all I needed to do was know the Bible. And so I didn't need to study other things, even when it came to my, like my professional vocation <laughs> as, a, as, as a person. I was like, I just need to know the Bible. Uh, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yo, how do I do my taxes? Let me check Psalms real quick. I need to know the Bible. The Bible says, <laughs> render unto Caesar. That means Caesar. So I guess I get taxes, except my church doesn't actually pay taxes. They're tax-free. Oh, speaking uh, of the <laughs> finances of the church... Um, mm. you had mentioned, um, you had mentioned like, uh, payouts to the pastors. Do they, do they do like a weekly collection, um, that the pastors get paid based on like donations or do they get paid a set amount? Uh, so the church, and I don't know exactly when the shift came, at least where I grew up, cause I grew up in the Silicon Valley and the expectation was that the church was going to function like a corporation. And so this is like part of the weird culture that ends up becoming toxic, uh, part of toxic Christianity is the expectation is to model capitalism as, as a corporation and increase profits and grow the base. And, and so then your brand, whatever you call your church is now the brand. And so even though supposedly you're going to do your giving in secret, there's a t-shirt, there's a banner. Anytime anything is given, there's going to be a flyer with the church's name on it because we're supposed to increase the base like good little lemmings. And uh, so it really took on this uh, 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 corporation culture, this corporate culture to how to run an organization, which is really interesting when you go back and read anything from like the 1800s or, you know, the, the small church idea versus the large church so i worked for a church where we ran nine different campuses 
and I, I did media. We'd record the main pastor doing his thing, and then we'd push that video. We'd edit it and turn it out overnight and push it out into all these other locations, and they would have their surrogate service, <laughs> uh, vicarious service. So it was, it was, it's really weird. Um, but they are on staff, and it is a salaried position, and there's an expectation of, like, how much money. I mean, they track it. They log it. We do an end of the year. This is what we gave um, to different ministries and all this jazz. Um, and so it's very much run like a, a strange corporation. And so, you know, you, you'd be encouraged to give, even if you're a broke college student, you're encouraged to give because of the benefits of what giving's going to do. God will give back to you and any other number of cliche uh, statements that are supposed to encourage you to loosen your wallet and meanwhile the pastor literally lives in a million dollar home back when you know a million dollar home actually meant something uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now they're all a million bucks so it doesn't mean anything <laughs> but uh True. but and and that that's totally expected and that was totally normal and um you know you're the sincere sap who actually believes what we're saying and it's it's sad. It's it's pretty toxic, and it's a uh, it's a wealth culture, uh, which is wildly weird. When you have even in the the own the tenets of the gospel of the Bible, you've got writings the writings of James that are all about not positive for the rich man who despises the poor person. So you, you know you have that, and you have this total culture clash, this wild hypocrisy. That you're just expected to function under and take your cues from cult from culture the culture of the church instead of even the writings in the bible because those are if you end up for interpretation but you know that whole that whole cult idea uh not idea but the the culture of the cult i think really got supercharged when uh i think it was martin luther who kind of brought into mainstream the idea of the bible as perfect and deified this is the word of god now i know people have done that before him um he doesn't get to claim that that was all him but um the idea of deifying religious writings and making us all judged by god according to a set of religious writings um is a fulcrum for a toxic environment uh, that that's what makes it so because then the holy man has to tell you what you're reading. The holy man has to interpret it for you. And that's when the devil's in the details. Only the devil is uh, uh, Christian, Christian goals of power and wealth and wealth extraction from those they control. So it gets really toxic really fast when you believe that that book is actually God's word. And that was one of the things that when I started casting lots, that was where one of my uh, beliefs went out the window when my deity, the divine, said, by the way, I think that's kind of a shitty place to go for information <laughs> about me. And I was like, wait, 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 are you sure? Because I've kind of built my whole life on this dumb book. <laughs> <laughs> I literally memorized like entire books of this damn thing. Um, and, and I was like, okay, come on, give it to me. Was it, what's the percentage? Are we talking 40, 60? 
80 20 what are you talking he's like yeah give it a one out of ten i was like what do you mean so like, yeah, maybe like 10 percent of it has roughly accurate information and i was like oh shit <laughs> um and this this is the kind of thing that's kind of interesting when we're talking about casting mods is that i will hear things i will have uh, answers from the divine that like i can't really handle even holding that idea and I go, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll pretend we're going with that. And then slowly over time, like learn more about King James Version and what happened to the Bible and how things have changed. Realize just how much with it has been constantly over time. Um, how even, you know, Christianity was not uh, pro or anti-abortion until after Dobson and and folks really shifted the culture because they they saw value in being anti-abortion whereas beforehand it was a christian stance that life began at breath the breath of god and and so that was not conce uh conception that was birth and so and and when you see how much everything has changed and then you go oh okay yeah that book is kind of tragic <laughs> the anti-abortion and then not also like you know in one aspect if you're going to go with the whole don't have abortions thing you think that you would be talking to your congregation about making sure that you're adopting yeah I mean, I've, I've met some of some of the folks who had uh seemed pretty authentic in their and what I would say is the good parts of Christianity or, or the aspirations to better the world. Um, I, I know folks who do work hard in the adoption, you know, pushing for adoption, um, but that's not Christianity as a, as a whole. I, and I can't say there's a big broad brushstroke that we do that. And even if we did, I have um, native, uh, native, uh, native American ancestry. And so we know just from a little bit of that, even how troubling the adoption world is and how that is also very bigoted against the LGBTQ community. And, and I, you know, even that's that true, super compromised to say, just go out and adopt more. Like, well, they have, they have, and it's not, I mean, I'm sure there's some good, but eesh. There's you you're saying that that giving that message um that, that you're just going to adopt and keep that cycle going kind of thing well no i'm, I'm saying i mean that can be it, it, adoption is a beautiful thing um but at the same time a group that's already not being honest about the treachery of their own group true the history of their own group what have they done in the adoption space? Oh, okay, well, some some of it's good, but at the same time, we got to deal with a whole lot of other issues in that space as well. But you know, and I'm never saying that say don't don't adopt. No, you I know, hear those, exactly. Those what are you meaningful mean. things, but at the same time, uh, you know, don't try to don't try try to uh, you know destroy the entire native uh, community. Don't take babies away from people who <laughs> are have done nothing wrong except not be Christian. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so there, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. whole history of abuse there, uh, in in adoption. So, yes, yes, adopt, yes, but at the same token, uh, maybe don't beat the whole world into your mold of being a Christian too. <laughs> no, I I feel like I just got checked when I said that, and <laughs> I 
and that's like the beautiful thing about like conversations and communication, right? Is you being able to bring in that like other aspect of it and this like other this other perspective based on personal experience where like me as a person, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if you're going to be telling people that they need to be, you know, keeping their children and doing this, then maybe you should also be, you know, educating on different ways to bring those children in. But then, you know, you keep children in those cycles and then that extends into different toxicities. And no, I, I appreciate that perspective that you just, um, that you just gave me. I had one more question off of what we'd talked about. Um, The word um, misogynistic came up a couple of times and I'm, I'm just wondering if, if, okay. So I've always seen um, in Christian, well, I guess in all religions, I've seen that the people who are speaking and kind of the people in power are always men and yeah. I'm wondering if this culture not always come on. We have a token women, token people of color, and boy, do we parade them because <laughs> really? we aren't going to find them anywhere else in the organization. That's interesting because the only time that I ever see like women being brought up as like um, having some kind of status is mm-hmm. when they are the wives of a pastor or oh, yeah. a wife no, of somebody. No, you're right. Well, no, it's not entirely true, right? Um, Educate me. I love this. So there are uh, th- like there's breakout cases we can point to. Okay. Or, okay. or, or even <laughs> entire types of brands of Christianity that do believe women have a place in ministry, you know, cause it's clearly in the Bible, but you know, we won't go there because <laughs> Christianity doesn't, uh, they clearly just kind of pick and choose what they want. And again, with the Bible translation, there was a moves that were made to basically disempower the female characters in the Bible and vilify them or, you know, show that they didn't quite, we didn't quite, uh, 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 anoint them or uh, respect them in their role. They got to come close. Um, but so the culture of misogyny, how, this is something I wrestle with personally because when you grow up in that, it's really hard to, to see it. Um, it's one of the things I love about uh, the ideas of reincarnation because if I have been a woman recently or might be in the future, I might have a different attitude about how we treat women. So I really love that about reincarnation. Um, But they, it's weird. You would think that, you know, hey, Mary gave birth to Jesus, that should elevate women. But then, you know, the whole belief system is just that you're, you know, if you're a woman, you're supposed to make babies. I'm like, what the hell? Um, There's characters in the Bible who, you know, were a part of Christian things and played pivotal roles and they still don't really care for that because most of this is about, well, I mean, there's, there's so much misogyny that gets plucked from the Judeo Christian tenants, um, all the stories of guys in charge owning, owning females, you know, King, King David is a a very wildly interesting study because Christianity holds it up um he's he's called the uh man after god's own heart or and then you got moses as a friend of god and 
you've got these different names that get attached and these ideas, but here's a guy who had like how many concubines you got Solomon who had supposedly 700 wives and all this jazz. So like the track record in Christianity, the culture of Christianity is not respect is not elevation. And they, as a, as a toxic organization, they're not breaking ground to make it. So that's for sure. They're going to continue holding the line on status uh, quo and so it's very interesting when uh, when you're around like religious circles um, a lot of the most ardent police of uh, purity culture or modesty culture are women in the church because they live under that garbage and I don't know, maybe they feel like they have to make sure that you're living under that if they're putting up with this shit. <laughs> so it, it's wild because um, it just gets perpetuated. And I, I don't say that to say women are the ones pushing this. I'm saying it is a culturally deep part of Christendom. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. I also have noticed that same thing um, with um, like Jehovah's Witness. I find that the women are the ones who are, and this has been my personal experience as a woman. I have found that um, women in, in religions, you know, um, like I was just saying, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, extreme Christianity, they're mm-hmm. always the ones who kind of are the most judgmental of what the women around them are doing and mm-hmm. of trying to hold the woman next to them down. Whereas I, I haven't personally found that I've had judgments outright said to me by men the way that I have by women. And I think it's this living differently than they live and that, you know, they experience that and they, they get held down all the time. So how dare you? Well, yeah. And then, and then the, the male aspect of it is usually just a full expectation of ownership of other people so you'll have the religious crowd and the men just don't think that they there are any boundaries to what they're allowed to do to any woman they run across on the street they they're the owner they're the you know it's it's really toxic and i'm not saying that they would like consciously necessarily voice that um but it's wild and, and widely dangerous for women in those organizations because you know the pastor thinks he has a right to ask how your sex life is going you know because uh anybody, business. anybody man male believes that they have a right to speak into your life and tell you about you know their judgment of you or correct you for how you're wearing your outfit <laughs> Gosh, oh, or telling me to fucking too, smile. That's too bouncy. Oh, okay, great. Uh, who, who put you in charge? <laughs> um, so it's there's a lot of um, so there's a lot of an acceptance of toxic masculinity and misogyny because it's in the Bible. And this was one of like when I there's just things that they don't really deal with and talk about. So for an example. Um, which which one can I think of? Uh, the there's there's like King David has has a young virgin who sleeps with him in his old age. Um, we have very young people getting married 
in the narratives, we have the two young gals who sleep with their dad because they're terrified they think it's the end of the world because Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed. Sleep with them, sleep with them, or sleep with them snoring? Uh, make babies. Awesome. Uh, they get them drunk and make babies with them. And this is the other facet of the Bible is what is telling us stories of what has happened and what is telling us stories about things God is into. That is what's left completely undefined. And supposedly the holy man's going to do that for you. So depending what crowd you hang with, um, you know, uh, polygamy is totally promoted. I mean, it's in the Bible in a lot of places. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jacob had uh, Rebecca, was it? He had two wives, Leah and I think it was Rebecca, uh, multiple wives. So you've got, oh, you got two wives here. Oh, you've got, and, and those stories are not like rare. You know, King, J- King David, the kings are all, <laughs> they all have those. Uh, they're, 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 they're pretty iffy characters. <laughs> um, but, but, but we have our versions of it. So even though any sane person who read the stories of David, of King David, would go, that guy is either gay or totally bi because he had a ton of wives. And this dude over here, that ain't friends. That's clearly they they got a thing. Nobody says your love is better than women to a platonic buddy. (laughs) But in church, these are the lies that the 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 fantasies you swallow that. Oh, that just must mean. They're, they're really good friends. Like, cool. You you let me know when you legislate really good friends because I think that needs to happen. Uh, wow. <laughs> but, That's but, just um, my best buddy. Yeah. yeah. So so there's a lot of stuff like that that you just live in these fantasies. And that was one of the things I had to deal with leaving is going. Wait a second. Okay. If I'm being totally honest, just from the readings of this, um, polygamy is totally a Bible thing. That is a promo for polygamy. Uh, look at Abraham. Look at this whole. I mean, he he has four different, you know, his kids with four different women, and and takes a wife from that that servant becomes a a wife, and that that wife gives him this many kids and that many kids. Just, that's how you end up with a twelve tribes, right? Um, and, and and a family that big. So, well, I don't know. Christians always try to make big families, anyways. But <laughs> uh, so anyway. And, and so that's where you, you step back and you go, I've been taught to see all of this in one specific interpretation. And that is very specific to the brand of Christianity, Christianity you grew up in. And so you get away and you go, okay, uh, hmm, maybe I don't think this is healthy. Or maybe I think that is okay. And I don't know why the church, you know, I, I now understand why the church vilified all this stuff. And typically it goes back to creating a very controllable organization. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And shaming people is a great way to have control over them as well. Yeah. So for me, I grew up um, deep in guilt and all that jazz, like keeping guilt on myself. Um, And at some point I was like, this is, you know, even as a kid, I was like, this is not good. I need to get out of this. And there are times I can look back and say, hey, I feel like the divine led me in a certain way and said, hey, you need to get rid of that um, because it's going to kill you. Yeah. Even even back then. Um, and so slowly made my way out of certain practices. And, and then so even while I was still a Christian, I, I had 
come to a point where I was like, I am so over the guilt, shame, shit. It is so toxic. And I despise it every time I spot it. Now, as I get out of Christianity, I'm probably more so because now I can see even more of when it's being used. Yeah. Um, but that was already something that I experienced very darkly and um, very deeply. And then I struggled with uh, suicide from a young age and, e- and, and even on into my married years. And that didn't really, I didn't really get away from that voice of darkness um, until I got away from my religion and the family I grew up in. And now I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't wrestle with that like I did when I was young. And shockers. Did, do you think that that had that that the reason that you were struggling with that? Do you think that you weren't agreeing with the things that were necessarily being put onto you, and so you were struggling with you not being like a decent human? Uh no, I don't think it's cognitive, like cognitive dissonant. Like I okay. believe this, but I'm being told this. I think it's because I believed it. If you oh. believe that the Maker of all things literally believes you are toxic from the core and that if you let yourself go on any level and don't rigidly discipline yourself as a round peg into a square hole you will be destroyed if you lived under that i mean that is a that is a crusher it's a pressure cooker and there's so many variations of that where you're still in that that i mean it's any wonder that it's so destructive yeah um you know if you because because it's and again that goes back to like that self um partnership to abuse yourself like that psychologically that's really really insidious because you're agreeing that that is true about yourself you're agreeing that that's true about the world around you and a deity you know believes this about you and it's really gone out of their way to try to fix you, you little fucker. And you're just still trash. I mean, that's the core. (laughs) Um, But Jesus loves us. Um, Sure, from a position of believing we are utter toxic nightmares. Sure. (laughs) I'm glad you're not in that anymore. And I'm glad that you take the experiences to... I find that you are using those experiences to educate other people and to help... People know that there, that there is, you know, you didn't leave the church and then catch on fire. Um, (laughs) You are still like thriving and figuring it out and you haven't been smited down and (laughs) someone's going to see that whether they tell you, Hey, I noticed this and I, you know, your words meant something, but in the same way that you found comfort and guidance from other people who got out of their religions, you're going to be such a light for somebody who's going to be able, you know, who's still trapped in that and who's going to hear you and maybe at first be like, well, that's a crock of shit. Like, can't wait for that to (laughs) blow up on him. And then it's not going to, you know, and you'll keep on this evolution of the spiritual evolution and finding yourself and figuring out what makes sense. And I, I just think that you're going to have a domino effect and you have a, you have a very um, kind energy about you and a very like safe energy. And I really think that people are going to latch onto that and um, that you're going to like 
find a whole new like spiritual tribe to like completely support you and what you're doing and however that molds and ends up working for you. Well, thank you. You're yeah, welcome. I get very excited when someone comes along and goes, Hey, what? I'm just left the church and I'm trying to figure this out. What are you talking about? I want to know more about that. And I'm like, imposter syndrome. I don't know. This is just what worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter syndrome's everywhere. I feel like we're always, and I always am like reminding, you know, when I'm talking on the podcast, I'm always like, hey, you don't have to keep telling everybody that it's your story. That's the point. We know that. Like, speak your truth. You do you. (laughs) Yeah. What is something that you um, would like people to take away from your episode? Um, People often ask me like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I, you know, how do I, you know, and I, I don't, I don't have people pray for me anymore. How do I embrace, how do I protect myself? How do I embrace something new here or there? Um, And I would just like people to know that there is, Nobody writing the rules for you, per se. Um, there's plenty to discover. You're going to make it. There's good stuff ahead. And there's a part where we feel like we're losing a lot in the process. We feel like we're losing community. And we end up in a place that feels very alone. And that's part of why I wanted to communicate that you're not alone And as we get away from toxic, quote unquote, community, the more we learn that wasn't community, that was manipulation. And there is a community for you out there. You get to make up how you want to do this on many levels um, and embrace your magic. Don't just put it off. Be active about it. Try to find where your joy is in that. Try to find where the life is. And... um, you don't have to live in fear. That is so beautiful. I know that um, that's going to resonate with people. Um, I always leave your socials listed in my description. And I tell people that if they have any questions, comments on anything that you've said, I always urge them to reach out to you directly. I never want to be the bridge to like communicate with somebody's intentions or, or words were. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people reach out to you, I sent them your way or they came from the podcast <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just, thank you so much for your time. Your episode is going to drop this Sunday. Um, cool. I will send you thank the you. link. Of course, I will send you the link as soon as it uploads. Um, I never tell people that they can't discuss the podcast or being on it or anything. So if it ends up coming up and you want to say something, you're always more than welcome to. And I just, again, I just appreciate your energy and you spending time talking with me today. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be asked. We all want to be asked our story. (laughs) That's Yeah. Well, I'm glad that um, you said yes, and I'm going to let you go, but just thank you again so much. You bet. All right. Bye. Bye.